Dan's Drive-In Double Feature presents One Minute with European Zombies, circa 1980, episode 13. A minute-by-minute podcast covering Zombie Lake and Burial Ground. Hey everyone, it's Dan. I have been forgetting to say that thing at the beginning about Dan's Drive-In Double Feature, blah, 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 blah. Because technically, these minute-by-minutes are an offshoot of that. And I haven't done one of those episodes in ages, and I apologize because I enjoy doing those. They take much more time than doing this. I'm not being lazy, or am I? Well, I posted, what, 72 episodes of Last Slumber Party Minute over the course of two days, so I don't know I can call myself lazy. But if, if you hop back on the feed, you'll find at least, thir- is it 13, I think, episodes of one minute with Dan on a double shit. What is it? it Dan's driving double feature. Pardon my French. Dan's uh, driving double feature. I forget what the last one was. It was probably something great. I know I did two with Amanda Reyes, my, my podcasting partner from uh, Made for TV Mayhem. We talked, one time we talked Prom Night and He Knows You're Alone. Then we talked Iced and Moonstalker. Both super fun episodes. Having said all that, and I recommending that you dive back into the feed for that, where are we now with Zombie Lake? That gal who was doing strange things with laundry or Doe has been killed, and the three guys, including that one guy who looks looks like a passing scholar, are carrying her body somewhere or other. Let's listen. Sometimes I feel like these minutes are daring me to watch them and talk about them. Not, dare, not daring me to, uh, to watch them and talk about them. Not daring me to watch them because I watch them any day of the week. But this minute is basically these three guys walking. They walk down a sidewalk. A crowd of people assemble around them. An assorted variety of people who look like they could be from multiple places and the the three guys set the body of the young woman down in front of a door, and that's the way the minute ends. And, of course, the first thing you think, um, well, first off, she's missing one shoe. I'm not sure why they couldn't have either taken the second shoe off or, or put a shoe on her. Uh, third, as they approach the door, um, as they approach the door, you, you see them pass in front of the camera, sort, sort of to the right of the camera towards the door as we're looking at the door. And you see the the bigger of the two gentlemen carrying her up front. Um, he's there, and the scholar has, still has her feet and her legs. And, and yet the third guy is gone. And then I was watching it, and all of a sudden you, you see, and I had this exact thought, is, oh my gosh, what is Hank Kimball doing following those two guys in that dead woman's body? It's the it's the third guy who was on the 
sort of her right side are left mostly as we're looking at them uh, and her uh, and he for some reason he's behind them now he's not holding her anymore you know I don't know if it's like the big guy was like I will take her the last 30 feet to this door this important door what about me can I take off I've got a bus to catch I need to no you stay here man of science and you will learn something today yeah, well, I mean, I got... No! You better do as he says. That was the third guy, the Hank Kimball guy. And so they set her down. And first, how do you know it's a, it's a, it's a J.R. film? I'm not going to say his film Rolin. Uh, say his film... Uh, say his name wrong again. When the they pass in front of the camera with her body going towards that door, her dress is... We, we saw that her dress is sort of hanging down. You can see her bare legs. But her dress is actually hanging down in such a way that you can see her underpants. I could have I said panties, which is probably more French and sexy. But you can see her underpants. And they're fun. they got a fun design on them. It's like she's having... When she put her underpants on this morning, she was having fun. You know, she said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to slap whatever the hell this thing is on that bench or rock in the middle of nowhere. Then... Uh, get killed by a Nazi zombie, but aren't my underpants delightful? And for the ladies, when the uh, older gentleman stands up, his gut's hanging out of his shirt, so this is for everybody. There's something for everybody in a J.R. film. Something for everybody in a J.R. film. Uh, But that's (laughs) that's about it for the minute. That's really all that happens. They walk. It's somber. I was hoping to just look at some of the people real quick, if you don't mind, who sort of assemble. Because in the previous minute, they're just walking and no one's there. So now they're alongside what looks like it could be a cathedral, a church of some kind. And you see all sorts of folks. There's there's a woman with like a long brown jacket. There's a guy with a nice sort of windbreakery thing. There's a guy with a, a cool um, uh, yellowish shirt and a cool afro there's an older gentleman who could be a park ranger there's a gal in in, in shorts I'm, I'm just i'm just yelling out what i see i know it's like dan we need you to yell at what you see and there's a great moment too where um there's a shot where they're they're walking in front of that church there and you see all the people kind of moving and there's one guy on the far right who seems to be moving in the wrong direction who's sort of like i'm gonna be ahead and kind of move to the right and there's another couple where the guy sort of looks vaguely towards the camera and there's a nice assemblage of people moving with the body and and there's this kid who keeps looking around like am i still in this film and there he is right there we cut to the front and there's an older general oh the guy who i thought was might be a park ranger he kind of has a bemused look on his face like i'm 85 years old I retired 10, 15 years ago. I've been living in this lovely French village. What the hell is going on? And why did they say Nazi zombies earlier? And where are all the naked women I keep hearing about? And I like that there's that little boy there who could, could have been me. I guess he's kind of awkward. And just, I, I think, enjoy all the faces. They have, I, I think, I, when I see this, I think of sort of, I was thinking of Reptilicus, if you've ever seen that that wonderful film. It's on a Blu-ray with, oh, tentacles. <gasps> Do you know how smart octopi are? They're really smart. Look it up. Look it up. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but they're, the octopi, it turns out, they're short-lived but really smart. Uh, I want to go down in the deep, deep oceans to see if I can find an octopus, octopi relate. What is it? Octopuses relate. That sounds like, um, that sounds halfway dirty and halfway like something like a box or I'm going to hit you in your octopuses. 
Um, but what was I talking about? Oh yeah, Tentacles is on that Blu-ray with Reptilica. Scream Factory put it out. But watch all the extras in... I think the film was made in Denmark. Am I wrong? But it's like they got half of Denmark to run around like crazy. And half of them have looks on their faces like, we are having fun! You see the same thing in uh, Bill Rebane's... I got rebane hard downstairs. Uh, invasion from Inner Earth, where you see like the crowds of people running by screaming from whatever the evil thing that's happening is. And they just look like they're having fun, and no one, no one really looks like they've been s- s- sort of told, you know, sort of, you know, like this. This woman is dead. She was. She had her throat ripped out, and she's dead. And she's got her eyes wide open, and we're all walking. And there are a couple people like the Hank Kimball guy. He looks fairly solemn. He looks like okay, I, I'm trying to be, uh, you know, Mama's good boy here. But then, then all the people are going. You cut to the next, and there are the panties, and they're little circles and lots of little dots, and they're just fun. They're just fun, you know. They're not big granny panties. She's having fun, you know. It's it's you know you you let you know. What did Ma always say? Wear clean underpants because you never know what's going to happen. And as far as I can tell, she got a clean pair on. Uh, I don't know if that's the point to end this minute. But that's the point where I'm going to end my discussion of this minute, where I talk for almost seven minutes about nothing in particular. Thank you for listening. Now let's go on to Burial Ground. I don't even remember where we are. Oh, yeah, it's the third couple, the um, the photographer and his gal who is having the premonitions. He's calmed her down and reassured her that she doesn't mean much and um, uh, she should just get kissed by him. So, and, and that's the way that minute... Did it end with a fireplace? I think it ended with a shot of a fireplace, although... No, that was three or four minutes ago. I think it ended with the two of them just kind of kissing against the wall. Oh, zombies! Oh my gosh, that's right. Okay, sorry, folks. My, I've got, I've got stuff written down, but I've, I'm, yeah. So yeah, the previous minute Barragon ended with that the photographer and his gal, the blonde gal, smooching, and then you see a shot of like a, um, a sarcophagus, a uh, coffin, stone crypt kind of thing, and like an old grizzled rotted hand sets itself down on the edge of the thing and this happens wasted the whole morning inside the house. Why did we come to the country anyway? To twiddle our thumbs cooped up in a mausoleum? Don't worry, darling. We'll be going outside soon. Hi, everybody. Hi. 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 Hi, you two. Talk about slugging. Now, not a lot happens in this minute, but something does happen in this minute. It's not just a bunch of people carrying a woman's body from one spot to another. And I gotta tell you, I really like this minute. I, I... The first half of it is is more or less the zombies sort of getting out of their graves, rising and moving towards them, and it 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 brings up the absolute wonder of this film to me. And I, I I don't remember whether I felt this when I first watched this. I'm trying to remember when I first saw a movie, say like Pieces or Don't Go in the Woods, does this too, where 
it it it's like don't go in the woods is okay this is a slasher film and then it just starts killing random people and who cares what's going on and it doesn't introduce the the um the four main characters Joni Craig Peter and crap why am i forgetting the the redhead um um Ingrid right it doesn't introduce them i'm so sorry it doesn't introduce them well at all it introduces them later after we start doing all the killings and things and you know something like like say a pieces begins immediately being gory and crazy and doesn't even bother to sort of settle in and give you much i mean obviously you get kendall and christopher george shows up and linda day shows up and that's awesome and emin purden is there and, and you know the guy from uh, midnight express is there uh, but it's just like Okay, it's a slasher. You want a slasher. Okay, this is a zombie film. You want a zombie film? Here are the people. Here's the kind of thing they get up to. Very briefly, we're doing it. And here come the zombies. And like I said, I thought this was sort of in the afternoon or the evening, but Michael makes it very clear. You got to hear Michael, folks. We only sort of vaguely got to hear him and see him in the previous things. And it's great that in this scene, they're all sitting at the dining room table and he's complaining. Why do we go out to the country if we're not going to go outside and just sit here in this mausoleum? Oh, Michael, you're delightful. And I, I like that other folks are sitting at the table thinking, what the hell is this strange thing doing sitting at our table? But I, I like the fact that immediately he's a little prick. You know what I mean? If you if you'll forgive me, and I, you know, I'm not I'm I, I'm you know I'm not being um, literal there. Uh, I'm just saying he's this his kid's a little douche is what he is, and I I just like that right out of the gate. It's like okay, who knows what this is, but he's not nice. Is is whatever the heck it is, and and yeah, the first half of the minute is zombies just slowly approaching them, and I like the fact that it's a slow approach. I mean, the thing with Night of Living Dead is is that when when Barbara gets to the house, there are no zombies there. They gradually assemble around the house. You could say the same thing for say Zombie Four After Death. But you really don't have to if you don't want to. Yes, I own it on Blu-ray. Knock it off. But but I, I like the fact that so they're they're slowly moving and we we've established that the the professor or whoever has to go out some distance to get to this place where the zombies are rising from. They're moving slowly, so it's gonna take them some time to get here. So they've been there all morning, and I guess it's lunchtime. Uh, because they said it had been there all morning. It's a very uh, nice-looking light. Well, we don't see much of it. Um, but, yeah, we're... Oh, my gosh. And can, can I... All right. So, some minutes I sit here and I say, all right, I'm going to pause the movie and I'm going to critique every single extra. But then some minutes you get a little more going on. So the first half of this minute, like I said, is zombies. But the second half is one long shot. And it begins at a grandfather's clock. The grandfather's clock has Roman numerals, 1 through 12. And if you notice, which I love, alongside the Roman numerals are the, I'm, I'm not going to say military time, but you know, it's it's like 20, 21, 22, 23, you know, that kind of thing along there. And I love the fact that you see it and think it's an antique, but would antiques have had that numbering on them, that sort of modern looking numbering on them? I don't know, but it pulls back. And my my appreciation of art knows no bounds that's why we're talking about burial ground 
and Zombie Lake. That's why I did a full podcast on Tony Malinowski's Night of Horror. But I I I know these these beautiful paintings on the wall. And when I say paintings on the wall, I don't mean that they have paintings hanging on the wall. I mean the walls are paintings. Whoever built this mansion, uh, George's grandfather had someone paint masterpieces on the walls. I know I've mentioned previously, but I don't think you could fully understand in a movie this stupid to the production design should have won an award of some kind because this mansion is gorgeous. And as far as I know, and I'm not going to look ahead, we'll find out as we go, but as far as I know, this was shot in the same sort of studios that like, this was 1980, they were making Fulci's Gates of Hell, you know, they were um, gearing up to do Panic. Uh, I don't know where, where they shot Panic. Who knows where they shot Panic? That may have been a year or two later down the line. But you know, this is 1980. There were a ton of of kick-ass Italian things. Nightmare City. There were probably some. This is probably a studio where Lenzi's Nightmare City was being shot, like two stages down. Although it's so elaborate, I almost want to say that. And someone could probably tell me, and I might look it up as we go. I almost want to say that these sets, if they are sets. If they are in an actual castle or, or, or big mansion, that would be incredible. It feels like it because it's so huge. But it could be sets. And I want to say that if they are sets, they are sets. They're not from Melabimba or whatever it is, the malicious whore. Uh, Andrea Bianchi's um, other other film of this uh, uh, from like a year or so before, I think. Um, I, I would love to say that these were sets from a much more high-profile Italian like chamber drama or costume drama. And someone was like, hey, can we shoot a little film in here? Oh, yes, please. Use and enjoy. All right. Woohoo! And it's like, we're making Burial Ground. Beep, 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 beep. And it's, it's just such a joy. And so I wanna, I'm talking too much about this minute here because I want to talk about this shot. So the closing is 1.30. Well, well, it's going to go longer than that. But the, the second half is one long shot. We start this grandfather's clock and we pull back. And we see all these great antiques. We see these beautifully decorated walls and everything. As we pull back, we see like these these big red chairs in in on the right side, and a shadow in a doorway nearby. And it's the um, butler, and he has a little J and B on a tray. And it's wonderful because the camera. And I'm just going to actually have it playing here, so I don't sound like a douche and I get this right. Um, so as it's going, Michael is complaining and complaining, and his mother is there, and the photographer and the blonde are there, and the maid is is approaching from a nearby room. Although there's a window. Huh. There must be a wall. I'm wondering, look, look at the back. Look at the back um, uh, of it. So you see at, at the back, there's a door on the left. There looks like a window, and then an entrance to another room that the maid is walking in from. But if there's a window there then that, mean the, that means that room sort of ends like a foot or two to the left of where the doorway is. But there's like another entrance or something. I'd love to know how that works. That doesn't look like that works to me, does it? The architecture doesn't look like that works. Having said that, Michael is actually looking at me right now as he's talking. There's like a half-eaten turkey. I love the fact that they may have eaten almost an entire turkey for lunch. And and so what happens is as Michael is bitching and moaning, the um it's it's great because the 
the the waiter is going around the edge of the frame, the back of the frame, and then around the right side of the frame, moving towards us. We get a bit of a chandelier, and then George, the the kind of goofy guy who owns the place with his fun red hair. Um, I, I don't know. I was going to say he's like the. Um, I don't know. He. <laughs> He's, he's the bizarro Albert Finney or something. R.I.P. Sir. Uh, but but and he approaches and the minute ends with the the writer and his gal, you little whore, entering the doorway that the waiter came in and the bottle of J and B. I've never had J and B, but if you know your '70s Giallo, and you should, because they're good. You know that J and if there's a bottle of J and B in the movie, you know you're in safe hands. I've never done a J and B check on these movies, but I feel like say like something like Giallo in Venice or 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 Play Motel or or Red Rings of Fear. Well, that probably has J and B in it. Um, uh, would not have a bottle of that because that shows you that you're in crazy territory. And of course, this is a year after Giallo and. A year after Jell and Venice, I think, and, and like Patrick still lives, where things are getting really crazy in this sort of realm. And I love the fact that, to me, and I got to stop talking about this minute right now, folks, but to me, the J and B says this is, we're, st- we're still at home, folks. You know, we're still at home. You know, this, this movie might go a little crazy. This movie might not be something that you're used to. I think this movie might make a fun double feature with Monster Dog. I don't know why I just thought that. Mm. I'm always thinking about Alice Cooper and why I don't like his music more than I do. But I'm always thinking about Alice Cooper because I love the music that I love by him as much as I do. And I'm wondering, this would make a fun double because it has the huge uh, spaces and it's Claudio Fragasso being a, a screwball. Uh, identity crisis sees. Um, but yeah, this this is a great minute, and it ends with J and B. And I think the J and B to me, the fact that it it he he uh, uh, the waiter goes around the edge of the frame, and the minute ends with him like presenting us with the J and J and B is almost like him saying, "Hey, you're in good hands." You know, it's like if you're, you know, like um. I, I, I don't know. I was going to say, like, if you watch an episode of, like, Doctor Who at the beginning of whenever it starts some sort of, like, a new era, like, the when the woman who fell to Earth kind of deliberately sort of shakes you up. There are no opening credits, and the Doctor, does, she doesn't appear for a while, but the, and then, or Power of the Daleks also works, although that's more, you didn't know what was happening when Power of the Daleks aired, but, but it's sort of like you get a moment where it's like you get reassured. You know, in Power of the Daleks, it's the moment when you realize the Dalek recognizes the Doctor. And you're like, oh, that is the Doctor, as terrible as that might be. Woman who, who fell to Earth, I forget the exact moment that it is, but, but Jodie Whittaker's so great, she's running around in it, that, that you're like, that we're here, we're, we're still home. And this bottle of booze, which looks like it's about three quarters empty, doesn't it? I mean, you would think they'd have a, they probably got a whole, I'd love, they probably got a whole case in the back room. But... Yeah, you would think they'd have more ready for him. And I do applaud the fact that we wasted the whole morning, so it's probably noon, and he's having a little J&B. Hell, it's 9 in the morning. I'm having a little glass of brandy. Ah, no, it's not 9 in the morning, and that wasn't brandy. But I like booze anyways. Oh, it's funny. I, um, sorry. I, I, I had one thing I wanted to read, uh, uh, regarding the tracking shot and this this was whenever I see a, a cool track a shot like that where the camera tracks back and it's really like in a film where you don't need to do that uh, 
they do that. And, you know, the focus, the rack focus and the shifting and the movement of the characters and everything. I'm going to read this on the next one. I'm actually, I've got um, Adam Rockoff's Going to Pieces. I'm on page uh, 115. I was just going to read a paragraph or two from it about whenever I think of early 80s sort of tracking shot type, elaborate shot, not that this is super elaborate, but but shots like this, I always think of this moment. I thought it would be fun to read. So that's a cliffhanger. What am I going to read from a book on 80s slasher films in an 80s uh, zombie film? You'll find out next time, and you'll hear this now. 